0: Welcome into the Rod the Podcast. We are at the midway point of the season. It is all-star break, and I'm joined by Jordan tonight, and we're going to chat a little bit about how the season's gone, where all the numbers are, where we were right, where we were wrong, what we see happening in the future, and a lot more. But before that, Jordan, how you doing today, buddy?
1: You know, it's my turn uh, to take a spin on the protocol list So that's why, once again, we are apart tonight, recording uh, over the phone. Um, As we get into the episode, I think we're going to hear some really, you know, pat ourselves on the back moments with some great predictions and some uh, really terrible ones, especially by me. So uh, excited to get into it. Um, Anything else you want to touch on before we get going?
0: I think we jump right into it.
1: All right, brother. So the Canes ended the, uh, you know, The first half of the season, uh, winning six of seven uh, with the only loss coming in a back-to-back loss at New Jersey with a rookie goalie. Kind of some weird circumstances around that game. Uh, Otherwise, they've won four straight into the break. Team's playing exceptionally well. Um, You know, it almost feels like it's hard to point out, you know, flaws in the team right now. It's kind of nitpicky. Um, Second-best win percentage in the league, leading the Metro with games in hand. I don't know how you could be anything other than immensely impressed how things have gone through 42 games. What do you think, Mike?
0: Yeah, the team is looking like what a lot of people predicted it to be a preseason. Um, they're stacked in a lot of ways. With that being said, there is competition, um, some competition that we didn't expect to be at the level it is. Um, you look at teams like... Florida and stuff like that, those are going to be the teams that the Canes are to have to go through. Um, you got Washington, obviously, Pittsburgh, all in the Metro. The Rangers have finally blossomed into the team that they look like they could become. So the team has a ton of competition. The roster is playing really well. It's not surprising when you consider Rod Brendamore, the coach, you know how he gets the players motivated. Um, exciting stuff, uh, exciting to see some of the players really start to grow. Um, there is, I think, place for the team to improve a little bit whether it is all internal, um, we'll see what they do in terms of trade deadline, etc. cetera. But yeah, for now, I'm excited with the season. Obviously we have Aho and Anderson representing the Canes for All-Star Weekend, so congrats to them. And then Rod, got the honor of getting to coach the Metropolitan team, which I'm sure he is thrilled about.
1: Yes, he seems uh, immensely excited to be there. Uh, I'm glad you touched on the trade deadline. I know you wanted to get into that a little bit uh, before we, you know, a little later in our discussion. But, yeah, to kind of build off what you've said, I mean, it's incredibly impressive what they've done to this point. And, you know, you've played – obviously your regular 12, but you've got contributions from the forwards that, you know, 14, 15 deep, your call-ups, Jack Drury came in, a couple games, played great. You know, defensively, um, you lose Jacob Plazen for a couple games. You, you lose the whole right side of your defense for like a week, it seemed like, and they kind of just kept trucking through. And, you know, although we might have our concerns about Ethan Bear right now, I mean, really, um, the depth in this organization is – incredibly impressive. And, you know, that doesn't even get into the amount of representatives they had at the World Juniors, which I believe was a record. Um, You mentioned the All-Star game. A little surprised that they didn't have at least one more player there. I I thought Spets might get the nod. But, uh, unfortunately, just how things are with the voting process um, when it goes to the last man in. It's rarely going to go to a a small market team, Um, basically a point-per-game player, one of your up-and-coming stars in the league. Um still only 21 years old. I, I think it's only a matter of time before he's there. But Frederick Anderson, Sebastian Aho, very much deserving of the honor. Rod, absolutely deserving of the honor, but he probably doesn't want to be there. Um, so, yeah, great times here. Um, one thing before we do trade deadline, it was on Twitter today that Eric Tolski has interviewed for the GM position in Chicago. Uh Give me some brief thoughts on that, Mike.
0: Yeah, I think it's natural that when an organization has the success that the Hurricanes have had recently, that people are going to start to be looked at a little bit differently. And Tolsky is one of those guys that's been very important to the success of the franchise. So other organizations are going to take notice. There's a, a drive for analytics, and there's a hunger for it amongst many teams now. So it's no surprise that he's somebody that would be interviewed for the general manager role. Um, I obviously, as a Canes fan, would hope that we're able to retain his services, but that just shows you how like efficient we've become with hiring, right? A lot of people looked at the hiring Canes did and saw it as dollar cutting, et cetera, et cetera, but they've found the right people. They've maybe shown that you can change from the typical NHL structure um, hire the right people, hire smart people, hire people that work hard, all the right aspects. And look, I mean, Dundon, for all the things he does to rub people the wrong way, he's successful in in business because he values the right things most of the time. Um, if you're a Completely. business person, absolutely he does. There's some, some of the more emotional side of it that... At his level, you probably need to be as calloused as he is towards it. But So you look at the organization, no surprise that people are going to start um, getting the opportunity to potentially move up. And it may not be within the Canes organization. And we we wish them the best, but we also hope to retain them.
1: Yeah, and I don't want to say our farewells just yet because I think we both believe that Tulski is not going to leave, at least for this job. Um, but you mentioned ruffling feathers and how Dundon's been pretty brash about doing things his way. Um, you know, oftentimes change, innovation does lead to that mindset where, um, you know, it, it does disenfranchise some people or, you know, draw harsh rebukes from others. Um Hell, it, it did that for me this summer with, with some of the decision-making process. and I, I will continue to bang the drum that I think you need to pay good people, um, you know, market value for their services. Um, you, you can't continually lose talented individuals and replace them bottom barrel. And it works when you're winning, but it doesn't uh, when things go the wrong way. And I don't care who's in the front office. um uh, you know, a 760 win percentage is not sustainable. I mean, not year over year. They might need to do it for the rest of the year. But, um, yeah, one thing you got to credit Tom for, he also said he's not going to get in people's way if they, they do leave for better opportunities. And, uh, and that's why before we got on the call, I floated the idea that one way they could keep, uh, Eric Tolsky or York would be the two assistant GMs would to be to basically relinquish, Don of GM control in title. So he would remain the team president. We already know this is a GM by committee. Uh, Don is the one that interacts with other teams, and he could p- continue to do that as the president. You would then promote Tolsky or York. One of them would get the title of GM, which would then prevent other NHL teams from attempting to hire them without permission. Um, in my mind, that wouldn't change things up a whole lot. Everyone would kind of stand their roles. Um, Dun- or Waddell would still be the top dog, but you would then basically play defense uh, on someone else taking one of those two guys, because I think it's inevitable if they're both labeled as assistant GMs uh moving forward, that likely this offseason one or both of them are gone. Um, you, like I previously mentioned, brought up the point that Dundon's not going to stand in people's way to go pursue other opportunities, um, which, hey, you have to respect. I'm just curious do you think this is something that Keynes are mindful of, or do you think there's almost a hubris in the fact that everyone is replaceable, we're not gonna you know pay too much to keep any one person, and if you lost Eric Tulsi or York, um do you believe as an outsider, you know looking in as an expert on the team, that either of those two guys is irreplaceable?
0: um, I think of the two. If anybody is harder to replace, it would be Tolsky and we've heard Dundon sing his praises. He's a big fan. I think he feels about Tolsky the same way he feels about Rod in the sense that they're very important to the success of the franchise. I mean, he's even mentioned that he could probably make more money off taking him away from the canes and hiring him to one of his other businesses <laughs> right so he has a sure, ton of respect up. for tolsky i would think that it would be important for Dundon in Dundon's mind to do what he can to retain him but he's never going to limit somebody's opportunity um he's i'm sure he's not just going to like turn his back and say yeah sure go interview for chicago we don't want you like you know what i'm saying it's not like that it's not that that way he's but he's also not going to be the the boss that doesn't want you to have the chance to grow. And I have a lot of respect for that because in the position he's in, you have great people around you, you want to keep them around you. And it's gonna it's really tough to like that would be a massive if Don Waddell was okay with stepping down from the role as a general manager and letting one of them ascend to it, great. That's just it's, when you're winning, and when you've done a lot of work to put the franchise where it is. Like, you'd be, you'd have to have very little ego to do that, and it's very hard to get to the position that get, these guys are in without ego. So, I don't know. It's it's an interesting situation. I I don't think paying Tolsky more is off the books. Like I don't I don't think Tom's gonna say this is the number of dollars I'm willing to pay you. That's flat. If you don't like it, go. Like I think there is room to negotiate with somebody like him, but we'll see. Like like you mentioned, I'm not sure Chicago is gonna be the ultimate fit for Tolsky. But the fact that the interviewing has begun for the GM role, it's it's going to continue if he doesn't end up there.
1: Right. Yeah, so if it's not Chicago, the organization's
0: else. gotta yeah they gotta figure it out, and we'll see. Who knows who knows what the solution is for it.
1: You're right. That that would be a selfless move by Waddell. I think what I was suggesting. I, I don't know if I articulated this properly, but it would be more so of a, a ceremonial transition. Like one guy would just adopt the title. They would all kind of keep their same roles. Um, but yeah, it, you, you made another terrific point about uh, being flexible in you know Dundon's you know effusive praise for Tolsky over the years. I thought it was going to be Rod, and ultimately they got the contract done and, you know, everything worked out and we're all the better for it. But Polsky is the one guy, just because of the way Dundon's mind works, his appreciation for analytics, that he might be the one guy that the organization might overextend to keep, right? Like that's the guy we're going to pay at or above market value because that guy we can prove on paper is our difference maker. Um, you know, a little subjective and, you know, tinfoil hat of me, but I I just kind of believe that they, they've cultivated him. He's grown up in this organization was kind of an outside move when they brought him in. And and now he's obviously a very notable name to be getting GM interviews. Um, But yeah, I think that's one guy that Dundon would extend for.
0: Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And the only issue with, with Waddell taking the the step down in the ceremonial, in the ceremonial way you mentioned, is that at that point you're not going to pay him less to do that, and you're going to have to pay Tolsky more to assume that general, regardless of if it means a change in duties or not. So I see that as a move that is a negative against the ledger, right? So I would see them sure. paying no, more really- as a result. So. That's my concern with it. I don't see him as somebody that would want to pay two people <laughs> to be GM, although we're paying two assistant GMs and, and a GM. so eh, I don't know. True. I don't so, know how works. He, he's how just done here to, to exploit
1: any market inefficiency, and I, I think he might view Tolsky as his market inefficiency within the organization. So I, I think yeah. they're going to be creative. Like I said, I, I don't think Chicago's – the organization we need to worry about with everything that's been going on there. He doesn't seem like the type of individual based on like what you've seen on Reddit and in public on Twitter, that he would kind of be the person to step into that and want to embrace that GM role. The first time GM um, seems pretty happy here in Carolina, but if it's not Chicago, I, I fully believe it will be someone else because the opportunities are going to continue flowing in. Anything else here on the GM stuff before we move into trade deadline and get the show going?
0: I think we're we're ready to move on from that.
1: Great. So we're on the all-star break. We are now entering in what was supposed to be the Olympic break as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with that comes the impending trade deadline, and things are starting to heat up. Um, we had Ethan Bear scratch for numerous games. We thought that was maybe predicated on a trade until the team finally admitted like three games in it was a healthy scratch. Those teams might; those things might not be mutually exclusive. I know we've touched on Klindberg. It seems like the Canes are the rumored leader in the clubhouse to pursue him. Um, anything else that's kind of been on your radar, Canes trade-wise?
0: It, it's really interesting, in my opinion, because when I sit back and think about it, and like you said, I don't think those events might have been mutually exclusive. I think he had a rough run of games. Um, I also think that maybe Klingberg deal might have been heating up and he might have been a piece in that package. I'm not sure if they're looking for a young defenseman coming back with the additions they made at defense over the offseason. So who knows? Obviously, it's speculating and we're just making guesses at stuff. When I look at the remainder of the lineup, because if you add Klingberg, that's an, that's an aggressive one-year move to win the Stanley Cup because we're not going to be able to re-sign him. He's he's looking for money close to Dougie's numbers. He's heading towards the latter years of his career. Um, unless these guys like Dougie and Klingenberg prove us wrong, but historically a lot of the offensive defensemen that get these big contracts as they get older, they usually don't look good. I can think of guys like Shattenkirk off the top of my head, so that would be a that would be a true deadline move to win the cup. I could see them maybe trying to make a trocheck deal of some sort, uh, acquiring a player with a little bit of term, maybe under a manageable contract, something along along those lines. It never hurts to add forward depth. What I noticed, and you kind of touched on it earlier. When Slavin was hurt, they got some results, but the team didn't look good. When Tara Vinan was hurt, same same scenario, they got some results, but it was very noticeable when these guys weren't in the lineup. And when you think about the playoffs, if one of those two guys aren't in the lineup and we don't add to bolster in those areas, and then then I see the team essentially being done at that point. I don't see this team as being built to win without an Ajo, without a Terravine, and without a slave. And If one of those three are to go down with how the roster is currently constructed, I think that basically dashes your, your Stanley Cup dreams, right? And you look at a team like Tampa Bay who had Stamkos injured for a lot of their runs and they still had success because they, they were built to replace and... I don't think we're there yet, and I think that's how I'm looking at the trade deadline. I'm approaching it from a way of you probably need to add a forward that can slot in anywhere in your top nine, right? Top six talent willing to play third line to win a cup can slot in if there's an injury. And then a guy like Klingenberg makes sense. You already have Pesci and Slavin that are absolute studs defensively, so you're set there. You have Shea that's become a good two-way defenseman. You have Tony who isn't good at defense, to be totally honest, but is playing fantastic (laughs) offense He he hasn't been as big of a
1: liability as I thought he was going
0: to be. But he's not good. He's not good defensively, and we know that, and we understand that. And you can't have a team full of those guys, and you can't have a team full of Brett Pesci's. um, in the past, I don't know, the Islanders kind of played that way for a little while, but look how their sure. season this year is shaken up. So
1: don't remind the way me we're gonna I, I see it that.
0: is, um. yeah. if you add Klingenberg, that's another essentially D'Angelo-esque player. Um, not going to be elite defensively. Has the potential to provide elite offense. So... That's, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, it's almost,
1: you know, I'm sitting here, and I, I agree with everything you're saying, and it kind of just hit me. It's like, the, the truth of the matter is, you know, Klintberg is a great ad, a high upside-skilled player. Him and Tony kind of become redundant within the same lineup. Basically going to be an up, upgrade over over Bear. But you mentioned, you know, Slavin, Aho certain guys are, are just irreplaceable. If you lose the Jacob Slavin, us bringing in a, a stay-at-home, left-shot D-man isn't going to replace that. And, you know, you might be able to get by the first round as they did last year versus the Preds, but you're not making a deep run without your stars. And some of this is just luck in staying healthy. Keens may so, you know, although they're, this may sound counterintuitive, but they're such a deep team. Um, you get scoring throughout the lineup, and I think that really plays um, in the postseason. The issue is, you know, although they're not as, like, star-driven as a as the Pittsburgh Penguins were in, in 16 and 17 when they won the Cup, if you don't have those guys, you're not going to win anyway. And, and that depth is great, but you need that secondary and tertiary scoring when you have your stars going. If you remove the stars – then the depth gets elevated and they can't play at that star caliber level. So, you know, there are pieces. I'd like to see them bring in another finisher, guy that can play on the wing and kind of bolster the scoring punch uh, of this team because they score in bunches now and the numbers look great. But as we've seen in the playoffs, that depth, if you don't have elite skill, kind of just dries up. So to me, you're not replacing Jacob Slavin. I'd be worried about giving too much up for Klinberg because I think him and D'Angelo become a little redundant. Um, but I still think it's a great ad because it does make your top six, area three D pairings even better. But uh, to me, it's we need another scorer on the front end. I'm not sure who that is right now. I'm not really sure how the market's going to shake out. Um, we do have to give you credit for pointing out Quinnberg uh, like six weeks before the rumors happened. So that was pretty good on you, buddy. Um anything else trade
0: deadline wise. Yeah, I'll just kinda go off what you said really quick. And my thing is I think Aho and Slavin, if they're out, that's you're out in the first round. And that's just that's how important I think those two guys are. I think Teravine and being out, you can maybe get through the first round, but he is super important to this team as well. And that's what scares me. I don't wanna I don't want to have an injury and be done in the first round. I wanna cause that's not a recipe for winning the cup anyways. Your depth has to transcend that level of play, in my opinion. And like you said, I understand uh, where you could see the redundancy in D'Angelo and Klingberg, but for the way the Canes play, the aggressive, fast-paced look to turn you over and change possession quickly and attack, having another guy that can move the puck and then once we get into the zone is a threat. I think Klingberg, where he's different than D'Angelo, I think he's going to be more of a threat to score. Um, And then it gives you a true second power play quarterback, whichever. And if it's not working, then you can flip-flop D'Angelo and Klingberg. I think it makes your your power play more dangerous, and I think – it makes your blue line in the offensive zone more dangerous, which these things are definitely important when it comes down to it. And when you're talking about swapping, essentially Klingberg and Bear, that's where the change in play would be. I don't know what the pairings would end up. I don't know if Klingberg would end, end up Pretty big margin, yeah. Pretty big margin. But yeah, that's a that's a, a definite injection that can help you win now. It's not gonna be a win or a move that helps you win next season by any means, because would be gone so it's interesting we'll have to
1: yeah but you know we, we touched on this in the off seasons like when you are in your win now window and the canes are fortunate to have organizational depth you got to know when the right time is to, to push the button and to go all in and, and to do it yeah. and they can do that without really jeopardizing the long-term future of the team now we don't know what the price tag is on Clinberg. It, it it's probably too high now and it will work its way uh, up and down until the deadline is reached until Adil is struck. But you're completely correct in the fact that that upgrade, and although him and Tony might have redundant traits, it makes the overall roster better. That That's two offensive defensemen you have to deal with. If one goes down, if one's not playing well, you can juggle the lineup. And I think it does just put you in a better position to win. It comes down to the price tag but the Canes have the ability to strike a deal with their organizational depth without jeopardizing the future puts you in a great position. It's almost a ridiculously enviable situation. Um, So if you're the GM, then maybe we need to do a turtle next time uh, because, one, I need to hear the jingle again. But, two, Mm. um, I think there's really good things to speculate about. Maybe that's something we touch on in the next episode.
0: Absolutely, and they're going to have to do it because the Florida's – the Colorados, the Tampa Bays, the other Metropolitan teams, Vegas, all these teams are going to be looking to adding. I mean, Vegas is going to get back Eichel before the playoffs, right? Like, And we've already heard Florida's in on a bunch of people looking to add defense and whatnot, and their forward depth is incredible, and their goaltending is pretty awesome as well. So yeah. the teams they're going to be competing with are going to be very powerful and
1: I know that would be something the team you've harped
0: on. That.
1: You've harped on previously. It's you can't sit on the sidelines um, when you have a division championship caliber team because that just means you can win it. And um we were both frustrated that they didn't make really any you know tangible moves at the deadline last year when they had a division championship team, a team that was contending for the president's trophy right up until the last game of the season. Yes, they have a young team. Yes, you know, are they in the the number... I, to me, I have it at five that could win it. You know, playoffs are weird. Things are crazy. Things change. Um, but they're right there. And to me, it's that dichotomy between you're in that great position. You can spend up and get someone and you're not hurting the future. And your core is already so young. It, it's It's an embarrassment of riches. So uh, we'll see what they do. I don't want them to sit on their hands. I think if anything else, you've got to bring in a little bit more depth. I'd like to see some high end punch. I don't get the vibe that they feel that way, unless it's Klindberg right now. That's really the only predominant rumor uh, that they're associated with at the high end. Um, but it's going to be interesting. You know, we got a few weeks, and it'll be be fun to see what happens.
0: Yeah, it should be entertaining. They'll be actively in on players for sure, and the rumor mill will be churning. So be excited to keep track of that.
1: All right. I think we want to, it's the halfway point of the year. Great time to kind of assess how our preseason predictions are looking. um, Some good, some bad. Um, Mike, kind of break it down for us a little bit.
0: Yeah. Where do we want to start? Where do we want to start?
1: Um, I think the the way to jump off here uh, as we review our, season predictions is let's talk about what we got right. We'll talk about what we got wrong. uh, Just focusing on the players. Then we'll talk about the team, season-long predictions. And then we'll finish up the show today uh, talking about what we project going forward, uh, at least until the next podcast, end of season, all that stuff. So right off the top, we've pretty much nailed Sebastian Ajo's uh, point total. I think he's on pace for 91 uh, I had him at 90. You had him at 87. We are like right in that same range. Uh, got to feel pretty good about how he's playing. Obviously, an all star representative. Um, good on us for that one, huh?
0: Yep. Yep. That was a good so one. We also one. were pretty close on Kakanyami, right?
1: Yep. All over KK. Um, honestly, you are all over it. He's on pace for like 17 and a half goals. Uh, you're at 17 goals, point per game, uh, maybe a little high, but he's going to finish in that 40-45 range, uh, so we're both going to be right there. It's great. Last one, so we only did five players, uh, Fetch. Um I'm very high on goals. I had him at, at breaking the 40 mark. I don't think he's going to do that this year. He's only got 16 right now, but he's been a point per game player, which puts him right in that 82-78 to 78 range. Uh, he's missed, what, two games, so we're right there, and um, you got to feel pretty good about that. Forty-two games in, that we're pretty much right on the line with, you know, sixty percent of our
0: picks. Yeah, we we did pretty good there. Where we started to slip up a little bit, we expected a little more from Naitchis through this point. Uh having got it. He's on pace for about forty-five points. Um, we were both looking in the high sixties for him. So unless he has an electric yeah. second half, he,
1: he, we're in he, trouble. Caught fire around this time last year, uh, at least portion of the season-wise, not calendar. Um, You pointed this out, contract year, you never know how that affects guys. I think it affected Spetsch last year. Um, Kind of, you know, he's been used anywhere from the first line to the third line. Roles changed up a little bit, but he's been used in good situations, at least enough to merit better point production than he's had to this point. Obviously an immensely talented player, but he's not making that, you know, true year three, uh, jump that I think we both envisioned, uh, to being a no doubt surefire top six player, which talent wise, I don't think there's any question he is. Um, you know, he, he has first line caliber talent for most teams. I don't think he'll be there on this, uh, in this franchise, but hey, he, he is a guy that can provide high upside skill, scoring, skating um, for a cup-winning team, and he's just got to turn it on. My opinion, I think he kind of finishes somewhere in between where he's on pace now and where we projected probably in that 55-ish range, Uh, but he's not going to get the high 60s that we were envisioning.
0: Yeah, and the thing that kind of caught me off guard for him so far is he's only at three power play points, and he's been on the first unit, second unit, Religiously, so that was kind of surprising. He's not shooting at a great percentage either. Um, so maybe maybe we'll see a little bit of improvement there. He's creating a lot. If we can get him to the point where he starts finishing off plays, whether it's the assist or the actual goal, I think you're looking at a guy with real star quality to him. Um, for the faceoffs he has taken, he's right under about fifty percent. I think for his faceoffs. Which is a a story for another date because we've mentioned him as a dark horse candidate to replace Trocek if he leaves in the off season. So we'll definitely we'll definitely keep our eye on him and and see where things go from here.
1: For sure, story for a later date too. I guess we probably could have touched on Trocek and the potential trade deadline. And although we did make point predictions on him, you know, he's averaging what some pace for. High fifties, low sixties point total. Yep. Um, it's kind of felt like an underwhelming year. He, he was so dominant for stretches last season. Obviously, tailed head off there at the end, but feels like he's underwhelmed. But when you look at the actual like composite production, been pretty good. Um, finished, you know, the last handful of games before the break, playing at a little bit of a higher level. He's giving you you know true second line center production. It almost feels, though, if he can kind of find the form he had for many, you know, for long stretches last year, that that could be something that would put this team over top. Conversely, I could also see him, like, traded, and I don't want to get into that whole diatribe or discussion right now, but he's the guy, obviously, I've been a fan of. I, I was thrilled when they made that trade. I, I just, he's a, a player that I could would love to see them keep around it doesn't look like that's going to happen in my opinion. But if he can kind of elevate in the second half and go from that low 60s projection into the high 60s or low 70s, then this team will have hit another year. And that will make me feel even more confident heading into postseason. What do you think?
0: Absolutely. I think, like you said, there have been games where he's been underwhelming. There's been games where he's been electric and the most important player on the ice for us. Um the thing about him that has probably been his toughest area is penalty minutes. He's one of the leaders on the team for penalty minutes. Um, I think he's about in the high forties for penalty minutes, which in the in the core forward group, the only person he's trailing in that regard, I believe, is Fetch and the refs loves Fetchnikov, so <laughs> I was no surprise to say there.
1: 37, I believe the team is telling that it's No way.
0: Oh, no. He's at 47, I think. I think 47 for Trochek, And then I think Svech has got himself 51 or something like that. You got to love it. Those two guys. That, that,
1: that, that's and, a, that's an also another story for another day as far as once you get a reputation guy, rest oh. in chases. But
0: well, because think about it. Aho and Svech play very similar in the fact that they play very aggressive on the four-check, and they're both very feisty players that are winners. Like They have that. And you look at the difference in penalty minutes between the two. I think Aho's taken like seven penalties this year for 14 yeah, minutes I mean, or something shouldn't like shouldn't that. Yeah, it not be that big of a discrepancy. The disparity is kind of bizarre. Um, Trochek's definitely had some bad penalties that have come from – not moving his feet or being too aggressive on the hands with the stick. So we'll see. If if he can stay out of the box. He's doing great in the face off circle. Right. He's shooting he at a, sure. a he's shooting at a good percentage. So he's taking quality shots. I mean, he's on pace to be right around sixty points like we mentioned. like yeah, we mentioned. I mean, the
1: truth of the matter is, although, you know, not to be redundant, it felt like he's been underwhelming this year. But if you would have told me at the beginning of the year he'd float in that range, I think we'd be pretty pleased, and um, I I just love the way he he finished right before the break, and so I hope he keeps up that momentum. He was critical uh, in winning six of the last seven. Um, But you ready to touch on the last guy that we made predictions for?
0: Yeah, so the last guy is is Tony D'Angelo, and uh, I think we both...
1: Boy, uh, were we off on the... We were
0: a bit off. A bit off. We expected offensive production.
1: I made my calculation saying I would love to get roughly 80% of Dougie's production. And I even was, I don't think, I, I was pretty liberal in the fact that I, I thought, you know, 80% would put him in the low 40s. I, I had him at 49 points. Yep. He's going to shatter that if he stays healthy. You know, he, he's Absolutely. on pace for. 50, 60 points is, you know, right up there a the league Seven, leaders in defense. Yeah,
0: in. He might hit 70 at the rate he's gone. He's, <gasps> he's almost a point per per game player right now, just a fraction below I mean, a point per we game. we
1: thought, or at least I did, like I said, we were looking for 80% and we're going to get, if he stays healthy and stays on this pace, you know, 120% of the production. And, you know, different games, and we, we've touched on Tony a lot as far as what he brings from a mentality and physicality standpoint. Uh, that maybe Dougie would not. I don't, he doesn't burden as, you know, carry as much of the burden as far as goal scoring and being a threat in the back end that way, but he's fit in seamlessly on the power play. He does bring enough of a threat, uh, as a goal scorer, but he's a great facilitator. He's been a great, um, power play quarterback to this team. And I just think he brings a different kind of edge that's going to show up, you know, April, May, June, uh, as this team marches into the postseason.
0: I agree. I agree from there. We did take a shot at points and record. Oh, boy. Yeah, it looks like we're going to have come a little short there. With that being said, they are coming into a second half of the season that's going to be challenging. A lot of Metropolitan games in there. Lots of good teams. Very condensed schedule. But I don't see us being close to right on this, even with that. Season.
1: Well, you, you ran the math. If they win half of their games with no overtime wins, they still break 100. Um,
0: so, oh, yeah. be yeah, they'll be in the 50s for wins. They're going to be they're doing just fine.
1: So that, that would put – if they play 500 hockey basically the rest of the way, they'll kind of be where we projected them. I don't foresee them playing 760 hockey. I don't see them playing 500 hockey. They'll probably finish in the, you know, 110-ish range, uh, 115 range for, for points. Um, going to put them right at the top of the Eastern Conference, right at the top of the Metro. Going to be battling uh, New York, Pittsburgh in the Metro, and then looks like Tampa and obviously Florida uh, in the Atlantic for top seed in the East. It's uh, going to be great to watch down the stretch. I'm, um, you know, maybe, well, not maybe. We were, I especially was definitely too conservative, didn't want to give the homer take in the offseason, but this team has far superseded my expectations, especially considering how much movement they had from a player standpoint in the offseason. Yep.
0: Absolutely. Well, with that being said, do you want to go ahead and talk about our season predictions? Um, do, do, you
1: want you want so do you want to gloat for a second, or do you want me to take away my, uh <laughs> you want me to no, talk okay. about my terrible take, or do you want to gloat?
0: You, we'll, we'll save the good news for a second. You can go first. Okay,
1: so um, my uh, outstanding, glorious prediction um, that had the New York Islanders, who I believe are in last place in the Metro right now, uh, representing the Eastern Conference Finals with Stanley Cup, has not looked good. Um, I, I think we can go ahead and guarantee they will not be in the playoffs. Um, and like I said, plenty of excuses. Had a terrible bout with COVID. Um, I think started off their season with 14 road games, just got off on the wrong foot. It, it's hard to chase a season. Um, regardless, no excuse to have them winning the Metro, although that was a pretty consensus chalk pick, and I didn't want to be a homer. Um, I still don't feel terrible about having the Bolts as the team that they played in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, I know everyone's hot on the, the Panthers right now. Um, Both Islanders didn't sound terrible in August. It it sounds pretty stupid right now. I feel really good about my Western Conference prediction, which I think was the same for the both of us. Uh, Mm -hmm. Colorado, Vegas, I would almost be shocked if that wasn't the final in the West. Um, And I feel pretty good about predicting Colorado as the Stanley Cup Finals winner, but uh, they will not be playing the Islanders. I I think your prediction, you want to detail it for us, uh, has a little more credence and credibility right now.
0: Yeah, so for my Eastern Conference final, I had Florida and Carolina. Um, I have Florida beating, yeah, as the two Eastern Conference teams, I have Florida beating Carolina to get to the Stanley Cup final. And the way things sit right now, as a Canes fan, if I was betting money, I would be betting money on Florida today. We'll see where we're at at the end of the season after trade deadline who knows, with injuries, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, as you mentioned, we have the same Western Conference Final being Colorado and Vegas. Colorado is my winner as well, and I have them winning the whole thing, so not much difference there. Um, Florida is a powerhouse right now. I think Florida and Colorado both look like really scary to me. Tampa Bay has Vasilevsky, so that's a game-changer. Um, I don't. They're not as scary to me as they used to be, but Vasilevsky is a game changer. So I like I like Tampa Bay still. I do think they have a good shot. I think Florida and Carolina both have a good shot. Um, the Western Conference Final. I'd be very very surprised if it doesn't in- include Colorado and Vegas. So we will see. Um, we're we getting, will closer see. getting closer and getting... closer to Colorado
1: finding. Colorado has been perennial under. Uh... An underwhelming team in the playoffs um, but you identified the five teams that I think this really comes down to at this point it's Carolina Florida Tampa, and then the two in the West Colorado and Vegas um, weird things happen in the playoffs that may not ultimately play out this way that those are the final you know four four of those five teams are the final four um You touched on Tampa. I I still feel really good about that pick. There's something about, you know, having been there and having, in my opinion, the biggest difference maker in all the playoffs and Andre Vasilevsky. Um, However, the one team this year that I've seen come into PNC Arena and that I thought, I think this team looks better than than we do, and that that was Florida. And and we're going to see them again here in about 10 days. Um, when they, they come back into PNC Arena, it, it's a team in Florida they played really well with, you know, last year and in years prior. This year's team just looked a little different. And um, so I'm curious to see how they look here in a few weeks because right now I'd agree with you. I would have Florida ahead of Carolina, and I might stack them Florida, Tampa, Carolina. I think Carolina's got the highest floor of all those teams but the lowest ceiling. Um, and I think that matters when it comes to the playoffs. We'll see. we got a lot of hockey left to play. We're going to learn a lot here of the next, um, what, 40 games. Um, but right now I, I think it's a three team race in the East and a two team race in the West.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that really quick. Okay, you want buddy. to jump in, talk about, any, uh, any before we leave. Thoughts?
1: Yeah. Any final thoughts here? You know, if we want to focus on upcoming games here after the all-star break, I know it's a pretty daunting schedule. We got, um, you know, field competition night, game tomorrow, all-star game tomorrow, one day break for Freddie and Ajo and then they're back, back to, for a back-to-back Toronto and Ottawa in Canada. I mean, that, that's pretty brutal. Uh, what, is it four games in five days or four games in six days before a, a brief two game homestand with Nashville and Florida? Um, we'll see. We're, we're going to learn a lot about this team that, you know, we may be, um, yeah, this it's gonna be a trying time just because of the number of games uh, and the the time left to be played, basically what, a game every other day for the rest of the season, uh not the cozy twenty uh, day break that we thought that we were gonna get here.
0: Yeah. Um it's gonna it's gonna get hectic really quick. Uh I think we're gonna be at PNC Arena a lot, which is fun. So but much, it Matt. will it will be tiring. It'll be a tiring couple of months, but I'm here for that. The only thing that I wanted to talk about beyond this was we've got official word that the Canes are going to have the outdoor game in February of 2023. Um That's like that, we should super have like, excited.
1: A firing going off. That was like breaking news.
0: Yep. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for that. I know you're excited for that as well. I'm going to give you been the waiting task. for a long time. Yeah, we we have been waiting for a long time and I'll give me, give you the task. It's going to be a difficult task, but predict who we are going to play in the outdoor game. Ooh, I know Waddell um, has already said it's going to be a rival. Who do you think it's going to be?
1: Um, I know they, they predetermined these things pretty early. Um, feels like the cop-out answer is probably Washington. Um, I, I think that mm-hmm. makes the most sense. Um, personally, I, I would love to see them play um Florida that that would be really fun to me. I, I just think it would be a divisional opponent uh and, and my best guess would be the Caps. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think I think there's a good chance it's the Caps. I uh if a certain team from Canada was good Hey-o. I could see it, I could see it being them. I think that would draw a lot of attention from the hockey world if we had a Montreal Canadiens Carolina Hurricanes outdoor game. Um, I could already hear Dude, the takes smart. of how I terrible our see, ice is.
1: I'd rather see the Habs. That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, it's not going to happen. I don't think they're going to be good anytime soon. So that's not my prediction. Um, you have to take out a team like Nashville just because they're playing and they have theirs this year. Um, I don't know. I could, I could see it being a team from Florida. It could be the Panthers. It could be Tampa Bay. It could be. Washington, it could be the Rangers. It's interesting to me. Yeah, I'm not I, I really if sure.
1: Pack it up. It, it would be Caps, Rangers, and then one of the Florida teams. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I don't think anybody really makes sense in the division. You know, and, yeah. and, hey, that could there, there could be a really heated playoff series that could put everything on its head. Uh, most recently, obviously, the, the most heated series they were in was, was definitely with the Caps and kind of carried over. I I know the game that the Canes lost in overtime at PNC earlier this year to the Caps was one of the most hotly contested games of the year. Um, So, yeah, either way, it's going to be a great experience. I I know when the the previous iteration of this game was, let's call it, postponed, uh, we were pretty bummed. I hope the jerseys that were leaked were not the ones that are actually going to be the Stadium Series game. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's absolutely going to be my next jersey per- or sweater purchase, regardless of how it looks. But I was mm-hmm. hoping for a little more.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure they'll grow on us like the black ones did. Because I remember not being thrilled about the black jersey, and now yeah, it's I love probably the black, my favorite.
1: The thrown on me.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: We'll see. It, you know what? Once you buy it and you you wear it around, you see it on the ice. You're like, this is great. So uh, oh, yeah. maybe that's the homer in us. But yeah, we're. we're We're sweater fans, but anything else? But I I know this was, you know, a lot to talk about. It was fun to kind of review. Um, We need to get back on track, and this is mostly because of me doing this a little more regularly. But uh, happy to talk with you, Um, and I hope everything's going well.
0: Same to you, buddy. And we'll be back. We'll be back. We'll get in the swing of things as we get our uh, as we get life in order a little bit more. Too
1: too many dang Duke basketball games, man. Yeah.
0: Yep, you know, got to say farewell to old Coach K, so uh, keeping you busy.
1: Hey, big big game on Saturday. We need to go and put on the heels uh, in Coach K's tenure as the, the head guy here at Duke with two wins versus the, those guys down the road, and I think I'd be pretty pleased. But we'll see. Either way, it's going to be a great contest. Looking to see some Canes hockey here on Monday and kind of get back in our normal swing of things. but. We'll talk soon. Um happy to get off the protocol here in a few days and um looking forward to more good things. Thank you all for Absolutely. joining us tonight. I'll talk to you soon, Mike.
0: Yep. Take care.
1: See you, bud.